Welcome back to the Women's Football Podcast. I'm Shauna David and this is our weekly look at all aspects of the women's game, both domestically and internationally. Coming up on this episode, it's successful City and Chelsea in the Champions League. United are back to winning ways. Chelsea march on. Leicester are in seventh heaven. Plus, we look at the game in Italy. Well, joining me to look back at all the action, it is former Aston Villa and the FA's media officer, Emily Lyles. Hi, Emily. Hi, Seanette. How are you doing? I'm great, thanks. And we need to get our podcast ratings back up in Denmark. So we've got her in for this one, Liv Griffiths. Hi, Liv. <laughs> Hi to all my Danish friends. Hi, Seanette. <laughs> and back with us once again this week, it's Andrew Rabin. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Seanette. Thanks for having me. Well, guys, we've got a lot to get through. We'll start uh, with the Champions League action over the past week. Manchester City, they, it's fair to say, brushed aside Fiorentina. Two goals in the first five minutes from Lauren Hemp and Ellen White set City on the way. Sam Mewis then added a third late on in the game. Ellen White was interesting straight after the game. She said that they definitely aren't getting ahead of themselves when it was put to her that City could go all the way this season in the Champions League. Liv, I'll come to you first. Do you think it was a surprising victory for City considering just how comfortable the win was? No, not at all, actually, Seanad. I think they're now unbeaten in, wow, after today, I think nine games in a row. So I think they were going into it as favourites and mm. we saw it in the first two, three minutes when they scored two goals that they're so clinical at the moment and all of their top players are performing at the, you know, the highest level. You've got Chloe Kelly, you know, ball after ball into the box. You've got Lucy Bronze, who's a Champions League winner herself. So, you know, they do have the quality to go all the way in it. So I wasn't surprised. If anything, I was surprised that it was only three. Could have been easily more. Mm, absolutely. Emily Gareth Taylor, he said that that's exactly how he wants his team to play. You know, they had the perfect start. They pretty much put the tie to bed in the first five minutes, didn't they? Yeah, they did. And I think it's it's really, really positive for City because, of course, at the start of the season, with the expectation that I think generally goes with being involved with Manchester City and, and the change in management after Nick Cushing, of course, being there for so, so long. It was probably fair to say that Gareth Taylor was under a bit of pressure until the last couple of months or so, or maybe even a little less than that. But yeah, they look really assured now, don't they? And that's a fantastic performance in Europe. I think regardless of how an opposition or how an opposing team looks on paper, I think European ties are a little bit different and probably more so than ever at the moment, given you know, everything that everybody has to think about when they're traveling, team bubbles, testing protocols, etc. And yeah, I think, look, City are just doing brilliantly, aren't they? And, you know, obviously Ellen White quite rightly said they don't want to get too far ahead of themselves, but I think it would take a huge shock, wouldn't it, for, for that result to turn the other way? Yeah, and Andrew Emily makes a good point there in terms of it's really, you know, fair play to all the hard work being put in to make sure that European competitions can carry on as, quote, normal as they can in this. A lot of hard work is being put in to make sure that, you know, these games can happen. Absolutely. You know, and we in normal times, we, you know, we tune into these matches and, and, and almost sort of take them for granted. And now I think we realise that the you know I mean there's a lot of effort that goes in in normal times to to to, to get accommodation and f- travel planned and everything else. But in this day and age, yeah, it's 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 just so 
life affirming to really to have the effort put in to see sport going ahead, even though we want it in front of crowds. Of course we do. But to, to actually have it when for a period, of course, this time last year, we were just starting to to not have it. It was taken away from us. So uh, we don't really want to take it for granted again. And then guys, down at Kings Meadow, a fantastic 2-0 victory for Chelsea over Atletico Madrid. It looks unlikely or it looked a bit worrying for Chelsea when Sophie Ingle was given a straight red card after just the 12th minute of play um, for a foul and also conceded a penalty in the process. Chelsea eventually won 2-0. Emma Hayes said that she was unbelievably proud of the team and rightly so. She should have been incredibly proud. Liv, there was a comment on Twitter which we saw a few weeks ago which said that even though the unbeaten record that they had for so long in the WSL was you know, so good for Chelsea to be considered one of the great teams they needed to win the Champions League and performances like the one against Atletico, that will certainly help, won't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't think we can really talk about many wins where a team is one or two players down to to come out on top, but you just wouldn't have thought that they were down to 10, uh, 10 players as, as it was. And fair play to them, you know, it was just a quick switch in, in the shape that they wanted to you know, sort of press against Atletico. And I mean, some superstar effort from uh, Katrin Berger to save not just one penalty, but two. I think it just shows how relentless they are, even as 10, 10 squad players on that pitch. And, you know, it's it's probably on Emma Hayes' mind that Champions League has to be the end goal for Chelsea. You know, they've, they've won the league so many times now. They've won the Conti Cup. They've won the FA Cup. It's just that one last piece of silverware. And you just feel like they will become such a complete team with, you know, with, uh, what am I trying to say? Sorry. We're even with that unbeaten record no longer standing. It doesn't matter as long as they take home the prize. Mm. She's a bit like Pep Guardiola in that sense. It's the uh, the one trophy that, that she's missing and the one trophy that, you know, a lot of people are rooting for her to get. Um if you've pretty much just answered all the questions I was going to ask, to be honest. So, Emily, I'll come to you about Atletico. You know, do you think the Spanish side have any hope um, in the second leg? I think you never say never, but you look at that and you look at that first leg, you look what Chelsea managed to do, as Liv's just, you know, summarised absolutely brilliantly in terms of everything that they had to contend with on the night and they still came through and probably in the end still came through pretty, pretty comfortably. So, look, you never say never, do you? And we know that Atletico have got a very, very strong squad. Um, they're at home. But I think these, these are the kind of games that when you are, when you are behind or when you're, you're struggling, as it were, that kind of a lack of crowd is a big deal as well at this point. I think that, you know, if say Chelsea were going over there and potentially playing in front of a packed crowd in Madrid, it might be slightly different. Um, But, you know, that's not going to be the case. No, absolutely. And just a reminder that the return leg will be played in Monza in Italy due to the current travel restrictions um, in Spain. Um, In other results in the Champions League, it was a 4-0 victory for Barcelona. Last season's finalists, Wolfsburg beat LSK 2-0. Bayern Munich won 6-1 away against Kazigurt. And last season winners, Lyon won 2-0 against Bronby. Andrew, you know, a 2-0 win for Leon. would we say that Leon are still 
the favourites for the Champions League or do you think there can be a new winner this season? We're talking about uh, Atletico having to turn around a 2-0 loss away from home. I think uh, if Bromby managed to do it, that would be uh, an even bigger shock. Uh, um, I, I think... I mean, it needed a. I think it needed a very late goal for Leon to to to, to embellish that scoreline on the night. So, um, but they absolutely dominated that game. I mean, there's. Um, I think I'm right in saying that Bromby didn't have a shot on goal. Um, they may have only had one or two attempts all night. Um, so clearly, Leon, the better side, the best side in Europe. Um, Wolfsburg obviously always uh, run them close. Um, Listen, we all hope Man City and, and Chelsea can can do the business. You know, Barcelona had a good result, but you know you can't look beyond Leon just with the the, the quality they have. Um, you know, obviously that you know it's 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 tended to be them and Wolfsburg, but you know maybe maybe we could see Man City or Chelsea sneak up uh, sneak up on the rails. Who knows? But I think Leon are the are the side to beat. Well, that concludes the Champions League section. We are flying through everything today. We'll move on to the WSL action. Um, in the midday kickoff, Manchester United got back to winning ways after previous back-to-back defeats. They beat Aston Villa by three goals to nil. United were too good. <laughs> I can see Andrew putting his, uh, he's not happy with that. United were two goals to the good at the break, thanks to Kirsty Hansen's deflective strike and Jess Sigworth's header. Skipper Katie Zellum completed the scoring, heading home Hayley Lance Cross. That win keeps Casey Stoney's side in third. Andrew, I think I'll come to you for, uh, for this one. And ahead thanks. of the game, Casey Stoney, she said that each WSL game it's pretty much a cup final for her side. She'll be pleased with that reaction following the international break. Yeah, I think it's always it's always difficult when you you know you've obviously your players have have uh, you know gone away or some some of them have gone away and you you know you need to try and get the team back, get a a, a good response and 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 put in a good performance. Um, there are leagues within leagues, as we know, and United will always be favourites to, to to beat Villa as a newly promoted side. Um, and as you might have expected on the day, it was, you know, it was fairly one-sided. Um, for United, it's just about trying to, 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 you know, I mean, they've obviously dropped points recently, a couple of defeats. So it's about trying to get that response which they got and trying to keep up the pressure, I suppose. And I think Casey Stone is always quite phlegmatic about it. She knows that it's, a, a, you know, her side are kind of overachieving, if you like, at this point this season. And it's about the future for Manchester United, I think, to, to sustain this longer term. Um, she wouldn't have expected necessarily to win the league this season, but certainly um, they're doing a good job of putting pressure on, on the teams above them. Although, as I say, they did uh, did have those couple of poor results recently. But uh, yeah, so it's just about trying to keep the pressure up on, on City and Chelsea and see what happens. Liv, like Andrew mentioned, you know, there's been a lot of talk throughout the season about United United's title chances. But would it be fair to say that given recent results, it's looking more like a top three finish is the target for them, especially as they have played one game more than Arsenal, who are six points behind in fourth. The top three finish, to me, seems like the realistic target. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it on the head there. It is realistic in terms of you've got to look at Chelsea and Man City and the runs they're on. They are just, you know, taking that one step further and it, the gap is getting a bit, you know, harder to catch up with. But there's no doubt in my mind that they can finish in the top three. It's just a case of grinding out more results 
I think they did really well today just to bounce back from those defeats. It's very easy. You know, they, they've lost Tobin Heath to injury and, you know, they are quite, they're still quite a new team, Man United, and they do have players who are still looking to get more WSL experience. You know, it's only their second season in this league. So for me, third is overachieving, but it's still so realistic. So yeah, I'd like I'd like to see them finish there. And I hope the fans are on side that, you know, maybe it's not their year this year, but definitely in the next few years, watch this space. Hmm. And Emily, just to touch on Villa, they now sit four points above the relegation zone. Do you think there's a reason to be concerned or do you think they'll have enough to stay up I'd like to think that they've had that they'll have enough Sean Ed I think they've shown throughout the season even in say the reverse game against Man United that they were competitive and there have been times throughout the season in some games where they haven't got the result where they've played well competed and and given a good account of themselves I mean looking at their fixtures they've got Brighton Chelsea and Everton in their next three league games so I think certainly two out of the three they can probably look to target something from which I think is positive um so yeah I think also the fact that they're they've obviously got this four point gap um as things stand but also it the thing with the relegation battle, it actually relies on everyone else to keep picking up points as well. So I think if they can keep picking up points here and there, even if it's a draw here and there, I think that they'll be absolutely fine. Yeah. And in terms of relegation battle, the game between West Ham and Chelsea uh, had permutations at the bottom and the top of the table. Chelsea uh, going out as 2-0 winners in that game. Sam Kerr and Beth England were on target for Emma Hayes' side. West Ham, uh, sorry, Chelsea now returned to the top of the WSL. They regained the top spot. West Ham, however, just two points above the drop zone. Liv, we'll move on to West Ham in a bit, but in terms of Chelsea, another game, another victory. They retained the two-point advantage and continue to... Do what do that Chelsea thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think what was great from Emma Hayes as well is that she rested some key players who would have played in that, you know, 80 minutes of just 10 of them. So it was good to see Kirby and Berger just sort of, you know, sitting this one out and them still taking the win as well. Very clinical. You know, we talk about uh, Sam Kerr and Kirby kind of link up and today was all about Bethany England and Sam Kerr. So it's just, it's so great to see that squad rotation in Emma Hayes' side. It's exciting. It's refreshing, just like as a neutral, just to watch. And yeah, I mean, clinical, you know, clean sheet away from home. What more could you want? Andrew, there were nine players on the Chelsea bench compared to West Ham's five, like Liv just alluded to, the strength and depth in their squad, that rotation. How important is that? to Chelsea and is it a sign of you know the gap between certain teams in this league absolutely it's indicative of that I mean obviously what I think you know we mentioned a lot on this what teams at the top are doing obviously is to build a squad for Europe as well as the WSL because they know that they're always going to be fairly strong there are leagues within leagues and you know a game like we mentioned just now Manchester United at home to Aston Villa you can't take anything for granted but you would look to to, 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 to get three points from that one um, obviously Chelsea did have that slip up against Brighton but um, they've had funny enough they always have seemed to have problems against Brighton they never seem to, uh, to, to to beat them particularly easily um, so full credit to Brighton I think the only team to score against Chelsea in the last uh, 
the six or seven opponents. Um, so for Chelsea, I mean, for West Ham, yeah, you look at the team sheet and you say, well, you know, we've only got five subs. Um, you know, I think a, a couple of those were, were, were fairly young players. Um, and, you know, Chelsea can, you know, leave, you know, Spence and Leopold's and Kirby on the bench and change the goalkeeper. Um, it's Richie's beyond other teams' wildest dreams. Um, but it's what you have to do if you want to compete in all competitions. You have to have that rotation option to keep players fresh. I mean, as Liv says, you know, they, they played that those 80 minutes with, with 10 players. Um, they would have had to have worked hard. They did. I saw the game. They worked hard and they, um, you know, they got their two goals against Madrid. But of course, there will, there will have been some of those players in this game against West Ham as well. So to, to, to go through that, those two games in quick order, uh, in short order, in quick succession, it just shows the exceptional level of fitness that they have as well. This would have been a game where other teams might have looked at it and gone, this could be a chance for Chelsea to slip up, bearing in mind their, um, what they went through in, in midweek. Um, but they came through it and they came through it, you know, with, with relative ease. So they'll be, they'll be delighted. Um, the early goal helped them on their way, but they'll be, uh, they'll be delighted Chelsea to have come through that one. Emily, in terms of West Ham then, um, they gave it a good go. They did have a number of chances and Oli Harder, I think should definitely, you know, take some heart from that display with Bristol City hosting Reading tomorrow, you know, West Ham, they'll be keeping a very close eye on that game, won't they? Crossing their fingers for a Reading win. They certainly will do, won't they? And, and you're right, Sean, Ed. I mean, today that they they gave a good account of themselves. They, they did okay under the circumstances. And I think regardless of the situation that they're in near the bottom of the table, I think you've got to remember that they are playing against Chelsea, whether it's a slightly changed Chelsea or not. And, you know, unfortunately, nine times out of 10, you, you are going to lose those games. So, yes, I think the fact that it wasn't a big scoreline, they can be buoyed by that. And I'm sure that they'll be cheering on the Royals tomorrow night. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then, guys, it was another good day for Manchester City, who kept the pressure on leaders Chelsea. They beat Everton by a goal to nil. Lioness's midfielder Kira Walsh's fine strike with just 10 minutes remaining sealed City's seventh win in a row in all competitions. Andrew, a huge result for City still within reach of the top spot. Neither side managed a shot on target prior to Walsh's winner. City below par maybe by their high compared to their high standards. Um, but a case of winning when not at your best for Gareth Taylor's side. And sometimes just, that's just what you need to do. Absolutely. And of course, we've always talked about how difficult a team uh, Everton are to, to play against. Um, you know, they, 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 they sort of packed the defence out, made it difficult for City. I think, um, you know, I mean, City has still a lot of the ball. Um, again, we come back to that European factor. Um, and I think that's just a, it's just a sense of relief, I think, that when you come through, uh, you know, a European game, which it can be a different style of play, can be a different tempo. Um, then you come into the WSL and you say, right, well, it's a tough game against Everton. Again, Chelsea have a, a difficult game, potentially on paper, you know, if West Ham could, 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 could come to the party. Um, and for both teams to, to, to come through it, and especially for Man City to win it with 10 minutes to go, uh, you know, again, they would have felt a sense of relief, you know, rather than sort of jubilant celebration. I think it would have been, you know, just, just a, a great to get those three points, you know, to, to immediately after a European game, because it can be very difficult to, to, to respond. Mm. And Liv Everton, like Andrew mentioned, performed well, defended well. 
will they perhaps feel a bit hard done by and, and feel that they should have got at least a point, well, definitely a point from that game? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure they probably felt very similar to when they lost to them in the FA Cup, this sort of style that they played again, defensively solid, they gutsy, you know, they were hardworking. And in the end, it just took one wonder strike to seal the deal for them. But unfortunately, in the game, you know, any team can sort of show up and have a bad day on the field, so to speak. But when you're trying to push on to be champions, you're gonna you're going to show that last minute quality. But I think Willie Cook should be really happy with Everton at the moment. You know, they're still sitting fifth. I think they're overachieving for the, for you know the squad that they have. Chloe Kelly, their best player, maybe last season now at Man City. You know, they brought in some great players like Govan. So yeah, I think they'll be disappointed. But you know, next week it's it's another chance to take another three points. Absolutely. I think certainly for, for a team like Everton, it's uh, similar to Reading, you know, and, and even Brighton are making strides in that direction. But, you know, without wanting to sort of downplay their hopes for the future, of course, it's always about being the best of the rest for them. You know, Manchester United have come into the league and made it a top four rather than a top three or a big four, if you like, rather than the big three. Um, and so for Everton and Reading, it, it, it really is about that sort of that fifth place that is their you know, you can't say it's their ceiling necessarily because you could have, you know, a, a Leicester City style uh, year one year. But at the same time, um, you know, all the time that they're holding that position, um, then as Liv says, they'll be very, very pleased with themselves. And in terms of the top four, number four at the moment is Arsenal. They beat Birmingham by four goals to nail goals from Caitlin Ford, Vivian Medima, Medima and Lisa Everyone always laughs because I say Medima in the most Welsh way ever. I'm like, Medima. <laughs> People are like... Whereas I don't say it that way. <laughs> so, Medima, if you are listening by any chance, I apologise for, for the Welsh pronunciation of your name. Um, uh, Liv, I'll come to you for this one. A 4-0 win, a result which was a big boost to the Gunners as you know they absolutely target that, that top three finish. Yeah, it was great. It, again, very strong performance for them. Four goals is, well, you know, on paper, that's that's a thrashing. And I think they'll be sort of feeling they're underachie- underachieving, so to speak, because Man United have had such a strong start to the season. So, you know, they've got that one game in hand. They see that through and they're only three points behind Man United. So, you know, for Joe's team, it's just all about showing up week after week and taking the three points it's, it's been difficult for them because they've had such a stop start um, for this year because of, you know, sort of weather and postponements and my favourite topic that I'm not going to discuss anymore because we're over it. But, you know, it's just we're seeing signs and we're seeing the light that Arsenal are coming back to their best. So, yeah, great performance by them. And um, in terms of Meadsma, once again, moved top of the all-time WSL leading goal scorers list, her 56th league goal, moving one clear of Ellen White. And I think it's a fantastic sort of individual battle between those two players. Where would you say the Arsenal star ranks in terms of quality strikers, you know, across the game in the world? I know we've had this debate before, Sean Ed, and I know Liv's got her her opinion on this one as well in terms of, I guess, Viv's performances um, against what we would call the big the big three or the or the, or the other big teams in the league. Um, but fifty six goals, 
for someone that age who's been in the league for the period of time that she has is, is phenomenal, isn't it? And and you're quite right, that battle with Ellen White will be really, really interesting. I think even between now and the end of the season, because they're both playing exceptionally well, they're both in form. Um, and, and yeah, in terms of where she ranks, I mean, I think her record does speak for itself. I think it will be interesting again, perhaps a little bit more long-term, how she might fare, providing she remains at Arsenal, sort of when they're challenging for titles and, and for other trophies, how she fares on the international stage. But, you know, right now, I think her, her record sort of speaks for itself and she'd certainly be in there and up there with, with the other top strikers in the world. I think and- Emily and I are going to start fighting again soon. <laughs> Over this topic, because, yeah, I sort of, you know, we've sort of talked about it before about, you know, she needs to start taking these goals against Man City, against Chelsea. You know, Ellen White, she's been around the game a lot longer, but she does deliver against the top team. So, yeah, I'm Team White for this one, Emily, but we'll speak about it at the end of the season, sure. Is it possibly that that maybe Arsenal's chance creation isn't as good against the bigger sides as Man City's? Is, is it is it a supply problem or is it literally uh, an individual problem for, for Miedemar? I think, I don't want to sort of downplay and say this, but I, I do think with women's football, with the top six, lots of these players are international players, like the Lionesses, they're like super close. So when you watch them play against each other for club, it's all like, oh, yes, pal, this and... You know, we're all friends here, that and the other. And I think Arsenal are constantly psyched out by the fact that they have such great friendships with Man City, with with Chelsea. And yeah, I think you're right. I think other than like Jordan Nobbs, she's the only one who does perform against the top three. You you probably are right. And kind of ask the question, maybe Miedemar needs to move on if she wants to, she wants to, you know, be breaking these records. Hmm. You can say that because you don't have a large following on social media. You can just come out with those sort of things. The Arsenal fans won't be able to get you. Mate, I have 29 followers. I am going places. <laughs> Guys, we'll move on in Crawley. Inessa Kagman's classy brace proved the difference as Brighton overcame Rianne Skinner's Spurs to move 12 points clear of bottom side Bristol City. In an entertaining encounter, Spurs hit the woodwork three times and the hosts hit it twice. Emily, this was the third straight win. Um, third straight WSL win, sorry, for Hope Powell's Brighton. And you'd think that they'll be pretty pleased with their day's work against an improving Tottenham side who are in a similar position to them in the table. Absolutely, yeah. They've really... I don't know whether turn it around is too extreme a, a phrase to use, but yeah, I guess really they weren't in good form, were they, a few weeks ago? But I think any team that's got Hope Powell leading them there's no panic there is that there's probably not going to be you know too much panic internally if externally the talk is well what's happened there and you know it's their third win in a row it's a really good win against a side that's ever improving as well as you said and yeah I think they'll be more than content with that as you say 12 points clear now of the bottom you think the way this league has gone this year that they'll be absolutely fine and if anything they're probably looking you know looking up really rather than over their shoulders now and yeah a really good day all round for them. Mm. And Liv, just a note on Tottenham, six points above the relegation zone on this display. Now, I think it's fair to say they'll be fine, won't they? Yeah, I, I do think, you know, from Tottenham to the bottom, I think they will have done enough this season. But I don't think Rianne Skinner would have been happy with the defeat today. I think that's their fourth defeat in as many, well, as four games. So, you know, some of these teams are relying on the other teams not to perform. So, 
You might get away with it this season with the likes of Bristol and West Ham. But I hope that, you know, she's not had a full season with them yet. In the summer, rebuild, strengthen the squad and go again. But mid-table is probably where they, where they belong at the moment. And Andrew, we've touched on the fact that Bristol play Reading on Monday, uh, a crucial game at the bottom. The Robins have been at the foot of the table pretty much all season, but they could potentially climb above West Ham if they can beat the Royals. The game is live on BT Sport. By the way, Andrew, you know, it's a huge opportunity for Bristol, but how do you see this one going? Well, of course, we're a bit uh, hostage of fortune because, of course, some people listening to this may already know the results. So uh, my prediction may uh, may be shown up to be fairly embarrassing. Um, I mean, Bristol City, uh, yeah, they are, you know, for a period they were a walking disaster zone. But uh, now, you know, I mean, they, they, they picked up a, a they picked up a couple of reasonable results, obviously. Um, but they haven't played for a little while, so that's going to be that's going to be sort of it might be a bit ring rusty. Um, I, I'm looking at the head-to-heads because I think sometimes that can be quite instructive. Uh, and you know they, they got draws against uh, Reading in their last two meetings, so I think if they were to get a point out of the game, they'll be delighted. It, with when you're down the bottom in any circumstance, any point gained is 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 crucial. Um, they'll have a target in mind, I would imagine, for what they need to do because they managers never like to think about other teams. You know, we've talked about there, Liv mentioning, you know, some, you know, they, they might end up being saved by Bristol City, for example. And Bristol City will be thinking the other way around. They don't really want to focus on what other teams do at this stage. They just need to start winning games. If they don't start winning games or return to winning games, then there's no hope for them anyway. So it's going to be a difficult game because Reading are very difficult to play against. Um, you would make them strong favourites. Uh, but if they can just, uh, you know, have an all-for-one attitude, uh, the Robins, then, um, yeah, I mean, eventually, of course, it's going to come into sharp focus for them and they're going to have to, they're going to see the trap door and they're going to have to fight for each other. And that's where you see where, you know, where character is. Well, guys, that concludes the WSL section. And coming up next, it's all the action from the Championship. (sighs) So, let's talk about you. Actually, let's talk about me, just for a bit, because I was like you. In 40-odd years, I hadn't done much exercise, but I knew I had to start. So, I got the Couch to 5K app. From not being able to run for more than a minute, nine weeks later, I was running for half an hour. It's simple, it's free, and it's all planned out. With a little support, it's amazing what your body can do. Join thousands of monthly users. Download the free One U Couch to 5K app now because there's only one you. Well, guys, in the Championship, Leicester and Durham went into the weekend neck and neck. Leicester travelled down to the Hive to face London Bees, and it was an emphatic win for them. Two goals in the last three minutes of the first half from Millie Fallow and Lashantic Paul gave the Foxes the lead into the break. Leicester then went goal crazy pretty much in the second half as Paul added a second before the substitutes got in on the act. Shannon O'Brien scored a quick fire double, her first goal since joining from Coventry United in January before Tash Flint and Dutch defender Esme de Graaf put the seal on the victory. Goal difference, Emily is looking like it might prove to be the difference towards the end of the season in terms of the title race in the championship and they were ruthless and those seven goals could make all the difference at the end of the season, couldn't they? Oh, massively so. And I think it's quite remarkable. I know throughout the season we've spoken about 
not knowing who was going to win win the title and, and earn promotion. But I think now looking at the table, it, it's one of two, isn't it, realistically? Um, and as you say, scoring seven goals at any point is a massive, massive boost to the goal difference, but I think probably more so than ever now. Because, um, of course, the one thing that, that Durham have over Leicester is the fact that obviously Durham are still to lose a game, but I think probably just draw a few too many, really. Um, especially when you take into consideration that Durham um, have played a game more than Leicester. But yes, scoring seven goals at any point is is fantastic, isn't it, for a team in terms of giving giving yourselves a boost, um, not just in terms of goal difference, but I think just in terms of, you know, confidence going into the final stretch, as it were. Yeah. And Emily, I guess it also shows the strength and depth that Leicester have, doesn't it, in the sense that they can leave someone like Tash Flint on the bench and be three nil up before even bringing her on to score. A hundred percent. I mean, I think with Leicester, um, again, not being wholly close to their personal situation. Obviously, I don't know exactly what resource we're talking about, but you know what you read and what you hear is very much that the club are really getting behind the women's team. Um, uh, they're probably one of the best, if not the best resource team as well as Liverpool um, this season in that league. So I think, yes, it does show their strength in depth. Um, and, you know, you don't want to see 7-0 score lines, but in all fairness, I think, you know, you just have to credit Leicester in that situation and say, look, they were ruthless, they were critical. And, and as you say, it was a good opportunity for some of those squad players as well to show what they can do. And London Bees defender Evie Gain took over our Instagram stories, actually, and showed us her preparation for today's match. Um, but, Liv, unfortunately, they ran into probably the best team footballing-wise in the division, didn't they? Yeah, absolutely. I I think that's fair to say. I, I do feel pretty sorry for London Bees just with that scoreline. It's it's not a good reflection on them as a team. You know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago where I think they lost 6-0 similarly. So they're just not having a great time, both at home and away at the moment. And um, yeah, they picked a good, she picked a good day to take over our pod. It's It'll be disappointing, um, probably that drive home. But you know, what more can you do when you when you do go up against Leicester, who are in fine form? I um, actually had a weird question, maybe to throw out there to anyone listening: that with Durham, is there ever been a team that's never lost in a league but not won the title? I'm going to leave that with you guys. That's a very, very good question. Very good question. Please, I know that there was one team know. who. There was one team, I think it was New Zealand, who didn't concede a goal in a World Cup, a uh, men's World Cup, um, uh, got knocked out in the second round, but they didn't concede a goal. Mm, no. Three nil, nil, four, well, four consecutive nil-nil draws and lost on penalties, I think. We'll look into it. Anyone who's listening, please do get in touch with us. Um, talking of Durham, they travelled to Blackburn looking to keep the pressure on. It was a tight affair until the 70th minute when Bridget Galloway tapped in after good work by Molly Sharp. They doubled their lead from a corner from after Northern Ireland international Sarah Robson bundled home on the line. That win keeps Durham unbeaten, like Liv said, and joint top of the championship with Leicester. And our producer Luke caught up with Durham defender Catherine Hill after the game. In terms of the win, then, like you say, massive and it was such a tough first half. Well, such a tough hour, wasn't it, really? Yeah, and credit to Blackburn, they're a really good team defensively. Um, they're hard to break down, they've got some big players, are physical, so we knew what to expect today and I think 
first half it took us a bit of time to settle, but second half much better. What's been the secret to success in terms of you've only conceded nine goals a season? That's pretty amazing. Um, I don't know. I think as defenders we enjoy defending. It's our job. If there's something to throw ourselves in front of or head, that's what we want to do. We just want to keep yeah. clean sheets and. Um, I think it's just that togetherness. If someone misses it or gets beat, the second person's always there to back them up. Yeah, I mean, I've seen you twice now, and it's almost like it's your bread. You got one little hood. It's your bread and butter, isn't it? You know, right? We're gonna not gonna concede now, and everything just kind of gets thrown. It's like you put a wall up into it almost. Yeah, pretty much. Um, once you've got that goalie, it's important to defend it. Um, it, it can be nervy sometimes the closer it gets to the end if it's only 1-0 but the second goal today definitely helped us in terms of that. The subs were, like I said, they both come on and made an impact, didn't they? Yeah, and that's what you need from them. They came on, they've made a difference and we've managed to get that second goal. And also if you go to our Instagram page at the Women's Football Podcast, producer Luke has been very busy and he also caught up with Blackburn Rovers manager Gemma Donnelly. Well, Emily Durham, you know, they keep on rolling, don't they? They still have only conceded nine goals this season in 16 games, which is just a remarkable achievement. That clash up in Durham in a few weeks' time, uh, it'll be a crucial one, won't it? Potential title decider. Oh, it's absolutely huge. And and I think, I know we've spoken a lot about Durham on this pod throughout the season and you almost kind of expect them to dip a little bit or to tail off because for all the reasons that we've cited previously, just in terms of what they've got to work with. But what they've got there is extremely special. And I think from a sort of romantic point of view, a lot of people will want them to, to to earn promotion and if they did I think that they would certainly deserve it but like you say that that clash in a few weeks time is, is really really important and I think they probably have to win that to give themselves the chance but yeah I mean what a story and, and if they can do it you know even more so absolutely fantastic. Well guys in terms of Liverpool they still remain 10 points off the top although they, although they did pick up a good 1-0 win at Crystal Palace. Liv it's you know Game over for Liverpool in terms of for promotion, isn't it? Despite that win today, it's been overall, I think a lot of people were expecting bigger things from them this season. Well, yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, for everything that we've said about something being in the water at Everton, I think they've stolen it from both Liverpool teams because they've both had a very underwhelming season at the moment. And I do think it is too little too late to make up the ground with Leicester and Durham. But again, a good win today. And I think, you know, I think top four, top three finish. Yes, OK, it's not something that they're aiming for, but Vicky Jepsen left in the, in the middle of the season as well. I think they need to rebuild and sort of strengthen that squad and, you know, make sure that their key players who have been brilliant in terms of, you know, keeping the pace up, sign new contracts and just go again next season. But, you know, that's unfortunately the name and who you are as a brand and as a team isn't necessarily going to mean you're going to get promoted as as we're seeing. Andrew, Amber Jamieson, she's, it's fair to say, you know, she's done a good job of steadying the ship at Liverpool after Vicky Jepsen's departure, hasn't she? Yeah, I think there's always that danger when you get relegated after a, 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 a you know a difficult season that the you know just as you can have forward momentum, you can have reverse momentum. If you like, you can get stuck into a rut. We've seen it with teams, um, and and yeah, I think it's I mean that the, the you know the 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 win 
at Palace was 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 you know a, a well earned one. It's now just about uh, sort of just redressing that balance, just staying composed and building again for next season. You know, we talk about Sheffield United who are sort of always up there, there or thereabouts. Um, and of course, one of Leicester or Durham will still be in the league next season. So it's not going to be easy for Liverpool next season either. But yeah, they're, 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 they've got to kind of reset from here and, and, and look to go again next season. The one thing I would say about returning just very quickly, if I can, uh, to the Durham and Leicester situation with, with them, what's interesting about Durham is that uh, as well as the Leicester game next week, they've got Sheffield United soon after, both at home, admittedly. But you do feel, as we mentioned there, they've got to win the Leicester game to, to put pressure on them. And they've probably got to win the Sheffield United game. So in the next couple of weeks or so, it could be that the, the Leicester, you know, you know, we talk about how close it is, but Leicester could go some some way um, through their own means and, and others uh, to take in the title. And you do feel that if Leicester do beat Durham, that puts them, what, three points clear with a game in hand and a superior goal difference, which effectively makes it four. You can't see Durham making that goal difference back up. So, um, yeah, it could be it could be all over pretty quickly if Leicester uh, put the foot on the gas. Yeah, <laughs> things could definitely get pretty tasty over the coming weeks. I will add, by the way, that Andrew plugged in his microphone. So if you're listening and wondering that he sounds a hell of a lot better than he did, classic forgetting to plug something in. So Andrew, we can hear you loud and clear now. I should point. I should point out it was a laptop microphone I was using before. I wasn't just shouting into the ether. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just my my voice doesn't carry that much. But yes, so I'm if I'm if I'm more clear now, that's why behind the scenes stuff for you. <laughs> well, guys, just to round up the championship, uh, London City Lionesses. They have been on a good recent run, but that was halted quite surprisingly at Coventry United, who started the day at the bottom. Hayley Crackle was the match winner as they leapfrog London Bees. Emily, we mentioned Coventry have grand plans for the future and it's vital that they stay in the championship and this victory will definitely help, won't it? Yes, it certainly will do. And I think that victory has put them in a really, really strong position now. Okay, yes, they've only got the 10 points and they're only two points off bottom but the fact that they've played two games less again similar to the situation that we were talking about with the WSL you're relying on London Bees to really come into some incredible form when they've lost their last five games on the bounce and and you know that's very very unlikely to happen alongside Coventry not picking up any results so yeah a massive massive result for them today um I'm sure that you know they're, they're really really pleased with that and it you know it could ultimately have decided I think that that relegation battle the one thing that London Bees may have in their favour is that Coventry actually only play one more game at home I know there's not many games in championship full stop but um, yeah so they've got five games left and and, and four of them are away for for, for Coventry Um, and you know you look at Coventry's next two fixtures Liverpool and Leicester away so um, you know if there's ever a time for for London Bees to try and make up some ground uh, it'll be then at the same time, London Bees are, are all on the, both on the road as well, the next two against Lewis and Charlton, though. So there might be a chance there. Andrew, do you think London City Lioness is, you know, their fifth, but I'm sure they'll be satisfied with the season they've had to date? They'll be happier now that they went, as we mentioned, they went on that little run. Um, it was looking like a bottom half finish at one stage. And then, of course, because um, we had we spoke to, spoke to Hayley Nolan, didn't we, in amidst that sort of, or just after that run of goalless draws that they had. And then they beat Blackburn, uh, Charlton and Lewis. And that kind of run of fixtures, although it was ended by Durham, 
that kind of run of fixtures has, has, has pushed them up the table a little bit. Uh, and they do have some, um, some, some, a, a little bit of daylight between them and the, the sides below them, although they have played more games. So um, the ambition is strong for London City Lionesses um, in the backroom t- team and, and, and in the boardroom, um, but they are just a little bit short of what they would need to be in that sort of top four or five, um, you know, on a, on a regular basis, you, you, you would feel. Last season, they came fourth. They were kind of the best of the rest behind Villa, Sheffield United and Durham. Um, but they hit some, they really did hit some hurdles um, this season. So they'll be pleased to be where they are at the moment, but they'll be looking to push on from here. Yeah, absolutely. And the final game saw Charlton's little mini run continue with a home draw against Lewis. Jessica King gave the Addicts the lead, but Inyabasi Umasong scored yet again. Well, moving on, guys, there was a big game in Italy this weekend as league leaders took on second place AC Milan. And we actually spoke to LA-based Serie A Femenile reporter Steph in six in my to find out how the match went and to get a little bit more information on the season so far in Serie A. Steph, it's fantastic to have your company with us. Thanks for joining us on the pod all the way from sunny California. I know you've told us you're not well at the moment, so just want to stress thank you so so much for taking the time to come and speak to us today. You're welcome. I'm glad to be here. So we'll start off um, with AC Milan, a disappointing day for Milan, wasn't it? Could you tell us how the match panned out? Yeah, the match was pretty bad, to be honest with you. And um, going by the way Milan have played it during these past few months, I have to say that I'm not surprised by it because the team usually does pretty bad against teams that relentlessly press them like um, prior to this match, they played Sassuolo in the Coppa Italia Femminile, and uh, they were lucky to get out of that match uh, with one point during both games because Sassuolo relentlessly pressed them, just like Juventus did. And the only difference between Juventus and Sassuolo is that Juve's forwards are much more clinical and much more experienced, and that really hurt Milan in the end. And on the pitch... Uh, the, the Rossoneri just looked disjointed. Mm-hmm. Um, I've It's something that I've been noticing that I and others who have watched the team have been noticing for a few months is that sometimes they play disjointed and they look like they don't have any ideas out there. And it's a shame given the fact that the team has so much talent. Uh, I mean, they, they recently got Vero Bocchetti, who's one of the greatest players of all time. And they also got Yui Hasegawa, who's a promising Japanese international. And for some reason, uh, they still couldn't make it work between the two of them. And as a result of that, they were they were pressed into submission by Juventus. And I'm looking at the match stats now. And though Milan had the majority possession, they had 53% possession um, compared to Juve having 47%. Juve was much more effective in their possession and... Um, they made it count when it mattered the most and they were able to penetrate Milan's back line a few times. And again, if I'm being honest, Milan were lucky to only lose by four because the scoreline could have been a lot worse. So yeah, this was just an incredible performance. And for our uh, listeners who are listening and perhaps aren't very familiar with the league out in Italy, I guess, 
AC Milan are a bit like Manchester United in the WSL in the respect that you know they haven't existed for that long. I'm right in saying it was 2018 Milan was formed. So they've had an incredible rise in a short space of time, haven't they? That is correct. They did form in 2018 after a law was passed that said that the men's teams have to field women's teams as well. And to Milan's credit, they have come a long way in those three years. Um, and during the first year, they narrowly missed the Champions League by, by one point. And during the second campaign from 2018 to 2019, which was, excuse me, I mean, 2019 to 2020, which was unfortunately cut short by the, the COVID-19 pandemic, they narrowly lost on Champions League qualification due to goal difference. And this year, uh, they're actually doing quite well, the losses to Juventus aside. So yeah, they have come a, a long way in that three-period time span. And we've also seen their growth in other ways as well, um, including the team paying more attention to them and giving them more focus on social media and things like that. And the fact that Milan are able to sign prominent players, like, as I noted before, Vero Bocchetti and Natasha Dawi. So yeah, they have come a long way these past three years and they're just right now they're, they're pretty much in a building phase and they're building up a squad that can legitimately compete for titles. I'm not sure if they'll be able to win any titles this season, but maybe in the next and maybe, in the season after that, there'll be a team that will be able to compete for the Scudetto and the Coppa Italia Femminile. So, yeah, um, they have come a long way in that short period of time. Milan, they have a couple of British players playing for them. You've mentioned Natasha Dowie, Christy Grimshaw is another one. How have they been performing so far? Um, I'd say that Dowie has been doing pretty well. She's scored nine goals for the Rossoneri, so she's uh, the team's highest scoring foreigner of all time. And as for Grimshaw, I, I'm going to be honest and say that her performances have been pretty mixed. Sometimes she does pretty well, but at other times she looks pretty lost on the pitch. And at times that affects the team's overall play. However, uh, Grimshaw is a soldier and she's adapting to the league. And it's, um, it's, it's quite a leap to go from where she was playing before to a team like Serie A Femini, uh, to a league like Serie A Femini, which is which is quite competitive and has so many good players in it. And so I think she'll probably need more time to adjust and grow to the league. But for now, I'd say that she's doing the best she can. And Dowie has definitely been uh, one of Milan's standout performers this season. And in terms of, if I may just touch on the Champions League, we've seen Fiorentina easily beaten in the Champions League by Man City. In terms of the Italian teams, how would you say, how far behind are they in terms of European competition this season? It's been tough for the Italian sides. I think that they still have a long way to go. And the main difference, the two main differences between uh, the teams in City of Feminilia and the teams in the FAWSL is the fact that the teams in England are professionals, whereas in City of Feminilia, they are amateurs. Mm -hmm. And that affects them in so many different ways. An example of this is the fact that is the fact that a lot of t the teams in City of Feminili don't pay pensions for their players. The only exception is Milan, but the fact of the matter is, is that a lot of the teams in City of Feminili can't pay can't pay their uh, payers any benefits or pensions, and uh, that does 
have an effect on the type of players that you can sign. Mm -hmm. And, and it's also reflected in how much the teams in Italy spend compared to teams in England. Like for example, Fiorentina have gone on record stating that they spend 850,000 uh, a year on their women's team compared to a team like Chelsea. And I think Chelsea spends around 7 million pounds for their women's team, something along those lines. And so as a result of that, Chelsea, Chelsea have the better players and if they were to ever meet a team like Fiorentina or Milan in the Champions League, they would definitely beat them. And we saw something similar like that last season with Fiorentina going up against Arsenal. Arsenal battered Fiorentina by five goals, and that's mainly due to the fact that Arsenal have professional players and that Fiorentina don't. And so I think that the league still has a long way to go when it comes to catching up with the other teams in the UEFA Women's Champions League. And professionalism won't start for the league until 2022. And there are also some reports that it might be pushed back to 2023, though, due to the pandemic. And so as a result of that, the teams aren't able to be as competitive against the other teams in the Champions League, especially, you know, you know, when other teams, like as I mentioned before, Arsenal are able to spend millions of pounds on their team. And the Serie A Femenile teams can only spend around 850000 Then there's a definite gap there that needs to be bridged. And hopefully it will be in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. My final question is actually the Italian governing body for football, the FIGC, like you've mentioned, has announced that hopefully from 2022, the Serie A Femenile will gain professional status. However, you said it might be pushed back because of the pandemic, but that would mean that it would... Um, become the first ever female professional sports league in Italy. That would be a fantastic step forward, wouldn't it? Oh, it definitely would. Um, it will help the players in several different ways. I mean, as I noted before, uh, aside from Milan, none of the other teams pay any pensions or benefits for their players. I've actually asked a few people to confirm this and the fact that I haven't had the fact that I haven't been able to get any concrete answers from the other Serie A te teams besides Milan about paying pensions uh, pretty much confirms the fact that they don't. And being able to pay for benefits for the players means that the players will have stability and having that sort of stability will come through on the pitch as they're not worrying about having to um, you know, take up a second job to be able to play football. And not only that, but also professionalizing the league means that the teams will be able to spend more money and that will attract more players of a higher standard and a higher quality. Like right now, uh, the league has players, as I mentioned before, like Vito Bocchetti and Lena Hurtig. And the hope is that these two players will be the start of a new wave of players who will be inspired to come to Italy and to play in Serie A Femminile. And if the league becomes professionalized and has things like professional contracts, then it will attract a higher quality of player and that will raise the overall standard for the league. And uh, the league's teams will be able to, they'll be able to actually make inroads in the Champions League and become, and maybe we'll see a team from Serie A Femenile win the Champions League in the near future. 
So yeah, the professionalism will definitely help in that regard. Yeah, that would be absolutely fantastic to see. Well, Steph, thank you so, so much for your time. And it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. Well, that was Steph. It was great to have her company on the pod. And we hope that she is feeling a bit better by now. Well, guys, on Thursday, good news is the FA announced that the FA Cup will resume on the 31st of March. The competition had uh, had to be halted in January at the start of the third national coronavirus lockdown. Andrew, I'll come to you first, but just great news that we'll be back in FA Cup action at the end of the month. Absolutely, yeah. It's, it, it, it's uh, obviously it's you know the, the the world's premier cup competition, and it's it's. It's great to have it back. There's there's one uh, match remaining in one of the rounds that they're going to play at the end of March, and then the uh, the, the the rest of the rounds are going to be played in the first few Sundays in April. Um, and obviously, cup competitions always take precedence over league games. So it'll be interesting to see how that affects the decisions that the the, the, the various leagues might be taking on uh, you know on, on on the viability of their seasons. Um, so yeah, we've got the uh, the 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 third the. Uh, final first round proper match between two National League Division One South sides, Kent Football United and Enfield Town. That will complete the draw for the second round proper, which is played on Sunday, the 4th of April. And then the draws have also been made for the third and fourth round so that uh, teams can plan ahead. Um, so they'll be on the 11th and the 18th. Absolutely. And as always, we'll be having all the discussion and analysis on this podcast during the FA Cup. Oh, and breathe. We got there. A lot to talk about this week. So thank you so, so much to Liv, Andrew and Emily for keeping me company. And guys, of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on all podcasting platforms and give us a follow on social media if you could be so kind. Uh, And just a note, we have now also set up our YouTube channel. So make sure that you head over to YouTube at the Women's Football Podcast to subscribe and to get exclusive content. Well, again, Liv, Andrew, Emily, thank you so, so much for your company this evening. Thank you to our lovely listeners. Look after yourselves and we'll see you all very soon.